Good morning. Welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. As together we unfold God's Word together, we're in the midst of an extended study in the book of Romans. We're now in the fifth chapter. Today I want to pick up our reading in verse 15 through the end of the chapter. So Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of the grace that is of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounding for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The latter part of the fifth chapter of the book of Romans has been introducing us, reviewing for us in a sense, some foundational truths about sin. We discovered as we were studying together that sin first and foremost is defined as rebelling against God, rebelling against his law as it's written in our conscience and in the word itself, and also rejecting and rebelling against his rightful authority over our lives, not letting him be our Lord, not loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So you see, both dimensions make up sin, a breaking of the law, but also a refusal to live in surrender and submission to the God who created us. We also learned that Scripturally, as we look through those scriptures, Satan was the first one to sin, the first rebel, the first one to reject God's rightful role in his life and purpose for his existence. He chose to sin and then tempted other angelic order to follow him into sin. After that, we enter into the Genesis 3 picture where Satan targets mankind through Adam and Eve and seeks to tempt them to join him in their breaking of the express law of God, in this case, God's law regarding what to eat, and then also rejecting God's rightful role because as part of the Genesis 3 temptation, the temptation was, once you do this, eat of this fruit, you shall be your own gods. You don't need God to be your God. Well, Adam and Eve succumbed to that temptation. And the tragedy is not only that they sinned with its consequences, but Adam's sin corrupted all of humanity. We are a people who, as a result, are sinners by heredity. 
but also a people who are sinners by choice. (laughs) And only the gospel can save us from the sin that's crouching at our door, as Genesis 4 places that phrase. Only the gospel is the solution to sin, since all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. (laughs) And we ended that study getting into our verses today with the picture that it's only grace, the gift of grace, that saves us from the tragedy of sin. The gift of grace, in other words, contrasts with the tragedy of sin itself. In verse 13, it says, I mean, in 15, it says, for the free gift is not like the trespass. (laughs) The free gift of God actually helps us, not harms us. Although the trespass from Adam onward certainly does. Well, let's look more at this together as we seek to make sense in this latter part of the fifth chapter about sin. Sin, its nature, sin in this world, and God's solution to that sin. As we began, today, looking at verses 15 to 18, the free gift is not like the trespass. It then went ahead into several verses and drew a study of contrast for us between sin and grace, the gospel, sin and grace. And I think the best way that we can get a grasp on this is in your mind, picture a graph, picture a table with two columns. The first column you could call sin. The second column you could call grace. And begin, think of there being numbered or bullet point points underneath each column. Picture it in your mind. Okay, well, let's look at the first column, sin. Uh, What bullet points does the passage help us to understand are under that column? What is it? that characterizes the reality of the sin column, which, remember, is in contrast to the grace column. Well, one of the things that we discover as we read through these verses is that many died through the sin of one man. We've already talked about this. Adam's sin not only led to his own fall, his own separation from God, his own need for an atoning sacrifice for his sin. But his choice corrupted all of the human race that was to come from him. He gave to us an inclination to join in the same sinful response to God, of breaking the law, of refusing God's rightful role in our life. And as a consequence, all are now sinners in this world. Sinners from the heart because of that inheritance, and sinners by choice. That's why, as Romans 3.23 puts it, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Just an honest assessment of your life underscores the truthfulness of that fact. So first bullet point under sin, many died through the sin of one man. The second bullet point under the column of sin is this, that judgment followed that single sin of Adam. In Romans 6.23, we will learn all the wages of sin is death. (laughs) In the garden, one sin cast Adam and Eve from the garden. One sin separated them from relationship with God. 
One sin was enough to need an atoning sacrifice to cover the sin. The same holds true for all of us. Even one sin choice on our part proves we are rebels. More importantly, even one sin choice on our part makes us so that we cannot dwell in the presence of our holy and righteous and just God. Sin cannot dwell in his presence, and therefore we are cast out and separated from God as a consequence. Even one sin proves us to be rebels. One sin proves us to be lawbreakers. And one sin leaves us in an impossible situation. So, bullet point number one, under sin, many died as a consequence of the sin of the one. Second bullet point, judgment followed that sin on the part of Adam and follows the sin of every one of us. It's inescapable judgment because sin puts us at odds with a God who is perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, perfectly just. Sin cannot dwell in his presence and sin requires a penalty to be paid. The third point, bullet point, let's say, under the column of sin, is that death reigned in us, in all of humanity, as a result of Adam's sin. There is no exception to it. Everybody dies. There is no exception to it. Everybody has sinned. All have sinned, as I say, and come short of the glory of God. And therefore, as these verses put it, death reigns in the human condition. Finally, verse 19 put it this way, uh, Therefore, for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. In verse 19 we learn it was one man's disobedience made us all sinners inherently. For one man's disobedience, by that disobedience, many were made sinners. This word disobedience, uh, Perakoe comes as a Greek word, perakoi, means failing to hear, failing to listen. Adam and Eve failed to listen to God. That's the essence of sin as we've been talking about it, ignoring his law and ignoring his rightful role. Adam and Eve failed to listen to God. They were disobedient. They failed to heed what God had to say. We all have inherited that bad gene. <laughs> Not talking a physical gene here, spiritual gene. We've all inherited it. And therefore, every one of us is also guilty of failing to hear and listen. <laughs> Who among us can stand before God in transparency and openness and say, I listen to you all the time, Lord. I've always obeyed your word as it's revealed in the scriptures and as it was written on my conscience. I've always allowed you to be the God of my life, loving you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Of course, none of us could do that. All of us must stand mute before God, uh, obviously guilty of failing to hear and failing to listen and heed the things that God has to say. That's the picture of the column of sin. <laughs> Many died as a result of the sin of the one. 
Judgment follows sin, both for Adam and Eve and for all of us. Death, consequently, has reigned in the human, in the human condition as a result of Adam's sin. And one man's disobedience has made us all inherently disobedient. One man's refusal to hear and to heed makes all of us inclined to refuse to hear, to heed what God has said. Not a pretty picture, is it? And we're talking about contrasts here. And God is saying there's this wonderful contrast in the gospel between the truth that is humanity's truth is a consequence of sin and the truth now that can be true for humanity is a consequence of grace and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So let's look at the gift of grace column. And there's some bullet points under that that are these contrasting bullet points. In verse 15, we it puts it this way, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of grace by that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. <laughs> the sin column, one man's sin led to the death of humanity. The grace column, one man's sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, has led to life for many. Grace enters the equation of the human condition. Sin is the consequence of the human condition and death and separation from God consequently from that. But now, due to grace reflected in the cross, grace is part of the equation. And for those who turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they find life, not death. So you see the contrast? Life in death. Due to grace, there's an overflowing possibility at last for the repentant believer. Grace brings life. Secondly, verse 16, put it this way, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Grace, the grace column under the bullet point, grace offers justification for all who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. One sin was enough for Adam to be lost and for us to be lost. But an act of repentance and faith in the gospel is enough for any of us to be saved. One sin separates us. One repentance and faith unites us. Grace offers justification. All possible because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that we've examined throughout these opening chapters in the book of Romans. <laughs> Talk about a study in contrast. Bullet points under sin. <laughs> bullet points under grace. In verses 17 and 18, we see another bullet point. In verses 17 18, it says, For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all, 
So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Grace makes it possible for you and for me to have righteousness reign in our life rather than sin. We have the abundance of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We now have that credited righteousness, of course, justified in God's eyes because the perfect life of Christ now covers us due to our repentance and faith in the gospel. But we have more than that. Because of that justification, we now have a relationship with God. We have a future with God, a future and a hope. But we also now discover, and this becomes the theme that we will be developing in chapter 6, 7, and 8 of the book of Romans, we now discover that for those who've repented and believed, who've been justified in God's eyes as a result, who are covered with the perfect life of Jesus Christ, God begins a work in us that enables us to have a solution to the continuing power of sin in this fallen world and within our fallen bodies. We have an answer so that we can, life can reign in us, so that sin can be defeated. And we'll talk much more about that, as I say, in the time to come. But I wanted you to see this is the bridge that God is giving us to that further study about reigning over the sin temptation within our life. Well, two columns. Sin Grace, a true study in contrast, as it puts it, <laughs> listen, uh, the free gift is not like the trespass. You can't get much more distinctive than that. Well, verse 19 says, For as by the one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous. The key and summary of the gospel why Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The wonder of the gospel is that Christ's obedience and perfect life is credited to us in response to our repentance and faith. It has made us righteous. One man's disobedience infected us with sin. One man's obedience the Lord Jesus Christ, the word made flesh to dwell among us. His obedience to the cross, his death and his resurrection, made it possible for us finally to be made righteous. We are righteous in him. His Second Corinthians 5.21 puts it, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. <laughs> We are righteous at last. What a great summary of chapters 1 to 5 of the book of Romans. And grace in God's great plan will eventually do away with sin entirely. We obviously still see the sin principle at work in our world now. And you and I still face the reality of the temptation to sin in this life and the reality of the power of sin even in the members of our bodies, as Romans 7 describes it. But God says there will be a time when sin will be removed. Sin will no longer be crouching at the door, as Genesis 4's phrase put it in God's warning to Cain. Sin will no longer be crouching at the door. 
in that future unfolding of God's great plan of grace, we will have a world in which there will be no sin and in which there will be no enemy of our souls, Satan. It is a future to be lived without sin, without temptation, in perfect relationship with the God who is really there. Perfect relationship as existed in the garden prior to sin and Satan's temptation to sin. Revelation 21 and 22 explains much more to us of the wonder of that eventual solution. <laughs> Many are made righteous, and ultimately God's plan and grace replaces what we now live in is a fallen world with a world in which sin is no more and Satan is no more. That's another bullet point, isn't it? <laughs> Under the grace column. What a study in contrast. Well, verse 20 puts this way. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He ends chapter 5 by showing how the law relates to sin, death, and the wonder of God's grace. God's law, written in his word, written on our conscience, reveals our need for the gift of grace offered in the Lord Jesus Christ. The law, as it puts it here, increased the trespass. What that means is that, in a sense, knowing what God's law is, both from our conscience and also from the scriptures, makes us even clearer about how far from God's holiness and righteousness we've become. The law is like a mirror. James chapter 1 uses that image for us. It's like a mirror that reveals the truth about us. The law is an eye-opener. It makes it clear to us our true condition. When we allow God's law is in our conscience and also in the scriptures to be the note of reality for us, we discover quickly the lie of the world that says, oh, we're basically good people because we know that's not true. Now, that doesn't mean we don't do good things sometimes, but it means there is within us a corruption that is only solvable through new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the law makes it plain to us why we need that gift of grace that's offered to us through the cross, through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. The, God, the law of God also, building on that, underscores for us the futility of religious effort as an answer to the dilemma of sin. In chapters 1 to 4, we understood that because God was saying, listen, there's, no th there's nothing you can do in terms of trying to turn over a new leaf, good works, religious ceremonies and rites and so forth. There's nothing you can do to change the reality that you're a sinner. Even if you start to live a better life, you still are stained and corrupted by sin choices in your life. The law of God, written on our conscience, written in his word, shows us our desperate need and why the Lord Jesus Christ is necessary, why the gospel is necessary, because we are all helpless and hopeless apart from that gospel, as Ephesians 2 put it, helpless, hopeless without God in this world. <laughs> but the gospel, that which God Paul was not ashamed of, makes all the difference 
It is the power of God unto salvation for those who were helpless and hopeless and without God in this world. What a wonderful picture. In these verses that, I, that chapter 5 ends with, we also see that the gospel shows us that God's grace is greater than our need. Grace has abounded all the more. We have a grace greater than our need. As sin's infection and corruption grows within our life, as sin's corruption grows within human society, grace abounded all the more. God's plan of redemption for a fallen, rebellious humanity is always one step ahead, you see. And God's grace expressed at the perfect time in the Lord Jesus Christ made it possible for us to have a solution at last to the sin. Sin reigns in those who are spiritually dead. Their present life and their future destiny is determined by that sin. No amount of self-discipline, no amount of religious activities will change sin's control. No amount of self-discipline, no amount of religious activity will change sin's penalty. But grace is not like sin. <laughs> And grace will reign in those who repent and believe. And God's grace provides for you and for me forgiveness, strength, covering with the righteousness of Christ, and eternal life. And as we will come to see, God's grace enables us to find grace in the sense of strength, even in this life, to begin to approach the sin issue in our life differently we can begin to grow and find victory over the power of sin in our day-to-day -day walk. Well, as I say, chapter 6 starts by beginning to turn our attention to God's great solution to the power of sin in our lives, even as redeemed people. Well, join me then, won't you? Keep in mind this study and contrast that chapter 5 ends with between sin and its outcomes and the grace of God and the outcomes of grace. And understand in summary of chapters 1 to 5 why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone and anyone who believes. I hope you are believing in this day. Lord willing, join me next time.